Yes, indeed, it is the Get Right right here on 105.3 The Fan. Wee. I'm Reginald Datatula. Sitting in tonight is the three-time Hall of Famer, Chris Arnold. Got you down. Got Chris Strong in the ones and twos, and you rocking with us on your home of the Cowboys, the World Series champion Texas Rangers, 105.3 The Fan. Appreciate you doing that, um, and however you're listening, whether it's on Terrestrial, in your car, whatever, um, or if you're on the Odyssey app, where you can always get us, hit the rewind button to catch anything you missed. You can also get us on YouTube, 105 Through the Fan, or twitch.tv slash Dallas Fan Cam. Lots of ways you can see or listen to the show, interact with the show, and uh, you can always text in to the truckwreck.com text line, 877-881-1053. We got you till 11 p.m., and I guess I, I guess I've skipped the, the part that I probably should say. Happy New Year to everybody listening. The first time that I've been on air in the 2024. You Have you, you been made on? it. Yeah, I finally made it on air. No, I haven't been here since Friday. There you go. This Thursday. Okay, so the first time you're getting to hear our voices, and we're happy to be mm-hmm. here with you tonight. Um, look, man, we got a good show for you, at least I think so. A lot of fun things happen over oh, the extended yeah. holiday weekend, and we'll talk about all those. Look, it's just so much, so much to get to, and so we'll, we'll hope to do the best on it. Also worth noting that your um, – my goodness, your Dallas Stars are taking on, um, ooh, not the Avalanche, that's old, uh, the Canadiens, right? Okay, thank you. Um, as the the app in front of me buffered and my brain did not want to work. It can happen. Man. That's right. That's right. Apparently, you, this is the thing that always happens to me. I take more than two days off of work, and knowing how to do work um, ends up being a, a problem. But, yes, the lowly Canadiens uh, versus your Dallas Stars, Wedgwood between the pipes for, I believe, the ninth straight. Uh, outing been very good of late and so we'll keep you up to date what's happening there but of course your Dallas Cowboys will start there by talking about uh, the game that happened this Saturday on Monday Night Football on Saturday that was a weird situation oh it was a weird situation but everybody's interested in talking about the Cowboys and where we go from here because the Cowboys had a great weekend not only did they live to say they won that game Jimmy Johnson goes into the ring of honor but you also have the Philadelphia Eagles losing to the Arizona Cardinals. What up, Kyler Murray? And with that, yeah. the Dallas Cowboys are now not only in the driver's seat for the NFC East, all you have to do is beat Washington, but they would also be the second seed in the NFC. Absolutely. And with that being said, there was some quote-unquote breaking news this afternoon. And we'll talk about all that. Obviously, um, earlier we heard that Lyle Collins, former offensive mm-hmm. tackle for your Cowboys, he had gone to play with Cincinnati um, there was talk about him getting to work out with the team, and ultimately he will be signed to the practice squad. We'll get more of that, but I think— More time. Yeah. People want to know, because you know they will. For sure, 100%. Um, At 10 o'clock or earlier? Throughout the course of the show. Well, Stick let's do with it us. now. Stick with us. Uh, but what, what we're supposed to do right now is uh, talk about who hooped in this game, this contest between the Cowboys and the Lions. I, I do. I want to go back and appreciate uh, the good performances that we saw in this game because I understand, look, there's been fantastic— radio right here on your home at the Cowboys 105 through fan all the way through but I want to go back and appreciate some of the folks that that played incredibly well in this yeah, contest um and I, I mean it feels like we have to start with the man who frequently has a quarterback for your Cowboys Dak Prescott hooped in this contest yes man. he did um I mean obviously one of the things that you can point to in my mind is obviously the 92 yard touchdown pass uh where you know he is about to get sacked and he has to make a little something out of nothing, make sure he stays up, and then find CeeDee Lamb in the scramble drill. And the thing that that personified to me, I don't know if you remember when uh, 
Cam Newton was talking about quarterbacks and kind of talking about the game breakers versus the game managers and whatever. And that gets us all in our feelings because we start talking about quarterbacks and it ends up being a very polarizing conversation. But one of the things that people kind of tend to talk about is, is, a, is this a quarterback that can do something in structure, out of structure, those, all those types of things. And that was your quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, making something happen outside of the structure of the offense. When we've seen all throughout the course of the season and through this game, the in structure, he is also very good. And I thought that that was one of those things that was, I don't think it was illuminating. I think you've seen so much of Dak Prescott at this point that you've seen it at various points. But it was fun to see it in that game all together again that Dak Prescott, when needed, can give you incredible performances. And this was one of those. This was one of those, and they needed it because Detroit, listen, Detroit had everything to play for in this game. In other words, they had nothing to lose. They already wrapped up their div- division. Another guy who hooped, the obvious one, C.D. Lamb. Absolutely. C.D. Lamb broke Michael Irvin's record for most yards in one season. Yep. Most, mo- I mean, most uh, completions in one season. Everything you can think of, he did in that game, except get that second touchdown in the first quarter where they knocked the ball out of his hand, which was a great play by the defender. If he had scored that touchdown right there, maybe Detroit might not have tried as hard. Interesting. I, look, I think the tough thing about it from that perspective is I think Detroit tries hard because of the culture that they've built. Oh, no doubt. The way that Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell he came in, and we all remember the press mm-hmm. conference that he starts where he talks about biting kneecaps. Mm-hmm. Like, that is, I think that's the identifying thing, you know, the I definitive said, thing I, that I you can point to with said him. that wrong. I w- I, what I should have said was, with a 14-3 to lead, maybe the Cowboys would have forced Detroit to change up their, their game plan. In mm. other words, the Cowboys at home, because they generally take the lead first, it causes the other team to start throwing the ball more than they want to. And so that's what I was meaning to say as opposed to, the culture of the team, because I think Detroit has a great culture. I think Dan Campbell is a hell of a coach. He's a leader of men. 100%. Uh, worth noting, I guess, Dak Prescott line 26 to 38 for 345 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Obviously, that 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 a really um, inexplicable play from yeah. him. And what's funny is that continues to fade in like the memory of this game. And maybe it's just because they win, right? You win and everything's good. You lose and everything's bad. But I think that he made enough plays within the course of it that you could probably look look all the way through and go, yeah, no, this was significantly way better than it was bad. And, of course, you mentioned CeeDee Lamb. 13 receptions, 227 yards, a touchdown. And, of course, that 92-yard play was the long on the day. And it, it just – there was a point in time in this game where I was like, oh, he might put up the, like, Randy Moss. Uh, mm-hmm. You remember the Randy Moss Thanksgiving? Yeah, I was there for that Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. Crazy. And, I mean, the that's you. You should have drafted him again. That's the level of inevitable that CD Lamb felt, and it's really starting to make you think on like the highest levels. I know I talked with Mike Bassick last week as I was filling in on the KNC Masterpiece, where he was like, "Where does CD Ram rank in the league for you?" Because like top three is a viability. I ultimately set a top five just because I know that there's a lot of great wide receivers in this mm-hmm. league, and I don't want to forget anyone. But like the ways in which this dude can can break the game, this dude can be inevitable, and then put up a game like this when you get him the targets, right? Because that was the conversation last week. And you see that it it comes up in a huge way here. There's no reason for him to disappear ever again. Again, he for all those who never thought he was a dominant ex, shut your mouth. I went to OU. I watched the man ball out. For those who kept saying he's not a dominant ex, you were saying it for two reasons. One, Amari Cooper was here. And two, because he fell in the draft and the Cowboys were able to scoop him up without even visiting when they first. So throw those narratives away. This man's about to get paid. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And rightfully so. Like, okay, so you've you've been around this Cowboys team for a very long time. So yeah, you're an OG 
in this Metroplex. Michael Irvin has implied that CeeDee Lamb is the best number 88 in the history of this franchise. Are you willing to get there yet? That's a challenge. I think Michael, even though he said it, it's like a subliminal challenge. That's the way Michael is. Mm. I mean, mm. it's hard to say that. Put it like this. They... Be glad that Michael Irvin and Jerry Jones insisted that CD wear number eighty-eight because he wasn't going to wear number eighty-eight at first. Mm-hmm. Because he's 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 got the potential, he's got the athleticism. His career has yet to play out. Drew Pearson's fingerprint is on the history of the NFL. That's why he's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he did more than just the hail mary catch. But if you're looking at the greatest highlights of all time, Drew Pearson is up there. Michael Irvin won a damn Super Bowl three times. You follow him going with this? Yeah. Des Bryant had amazing catches but didn't have a Super Bowl ring to wear. Drew and Michael had the Super Bowl rings. I hope CD gets one as well. Will he be the best one of all time? It's hard to say because those other 88s are legit. As we continue talking about who hooped, who on, hooped? in the game, 20-19, to 19, the, the beneficial game for the Cowboys, tight win uh, at home to bring you to 8-0 mm-hmm. at home on this 2023 season. You know, the la- see, what the only times they've been undefeated at home, the Cowboys have gone to the NFC Championship game. Those are the two years. Just keep that in mind. I mean, look, this was this was a good game to try and help you along. Or I, I imagine that people will look at this as a good game to help you along in feeling that way. Um, text in 877-881-1053 if you feel differently. Uh, one of the people that I felt like hooped, and I mean, look, th- these are the easy ones. There's some other ones like, uh, that, that we could talk about that don't just jump off the score sheet, but I feel like we have to talk about the ones that jump off the score sheet. Donovan Wilson, yes, he did. Hooped in this game in a he way was that hitting hard safety, which and he always does right. The the physicality is one part of it that I expect from Donovan Wilson. These safeties, the three major safeties on this team, I kind of have in my mind like three distinct play styles that mm-hmm. comes to mind. Donovan Wilson is the aggressive physical one, right? Yeah, he led the, the other team in tackles last year. With that being the case, he gets up and like gets an interception in this mm-hmm. game. And it's not just a the ball fell to him interception. This is a anticipation, yeah. jumping the route, oh, getting in, yeah. having some ball skills. Mm-hmm. And I was very thoroughly impressed by from that because I maybe to the point of like disrespect, did not believe that Donovan Wilson had that portion of it. I thought he, he was just a very good physical line or uh, linebacker safety and he he showed me wrong in that moment uh, of like being able to play the safety position in a ball hawking way yeah he has hands in other words he's not Roberto Duran no mas no mas he's got hands he's not hands of stones he's got hands and he uh basically did they count that as an interception but Micah stepped off sides or was it just an incomplete play when he picked it off at the goal line on their two point conversion, yeah, during attempt. the two point, that was an offsize. Michael, Mike I know Parsons, it was offsize, yeah. but I'm saying, did they even say that he? I mean, I'm just saying. You, I was trying to look at the replay on the on the catch. Did he catch it too? But I know. think it would. I think it would have been an interception. That's what I was if, trying to say. It wasn't would it, waved it, off. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think so. So, so it shows his hands off. There's man. there was a few defensive players uh, from the text line eight seven seven eight eight one one zero five three. Two one four says Jordan Lewis, and absolutely Jordan Lu- yes, Jordan Lewis did. over the last two three weeks mm-hmm. really been playing well in that slot corner position. Oh, yeah, um, and one of them one of those things is the physicality, but another of those things is the the, the coverage ability. And the coverage mm-hmm. ability is, I think, the thing that we knew about Jordan Lewis. He he has stepped up to the challenge of you have to be on the perimeter and be physical. Okay, I can do that. And he's knifed in there, and he's jumped in there, and he's played really physical in a way that his size does not you know, necessarily belie, right? You look at his size and you go, maybe he's not 
the one to be physical, but he's stepped up and maybe there's that Big Ten energy as, you know, Michigan man mm-hmm. Jordan Lewis, but he's come up and absolutely played very aggressively and then also picks off a ball in this game, man. Great, great game from Jordan Lewis um, in accordance with the rest of the secondary, man. The secondary played pretty well, and those two guys, um, Donovan Wilson, jo- uh, Jordan Lewis, definitely stood up. Stood and they out. definitely need his help because, they're you know, this time of the year a lot of players getting hurt. In fact, last year, around about this time, and maybe it was in November, Jordan Lewis got hurt and it was ended his season. And he thought it was ending his career. He actually thought he was not going to be back this year. And the entire team and coaching staff came to his door. Mm. He said it broke him down into tears. And they said, no, no, man, we got to have you back. And so he's back. Yeah, and look, especially when we talk about the secondary, um, the safeties in particular, and this is a good point for the two and four, last, uh, sorry, um, from the, yeah, from another two and four. This was the first game this year. I remember the safeties making a major impact on the game. I've been waiting all year for it. Let's make it the trend the next three to four to five weeks. And yeah, the safeties, especially because of the expectations that are there for them, it felt like they had not been living quite up to what you expected from them. And you've seen, especially the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. that get to a high level. I need to talk about this man because this man, in a way, has been disrespected for a long time. Who's that? His name is Demarcus Lawrence. He wears number ninety. Yeah, people have taken. You know what? You know when it started. It started when he signed his contract, mm-hmm. and people lost their damn minds because yeah. they were counting sacks. Yeah, and one of the things that shows up is he is an incredible run stopping defensive end. Always. And one of the big things that I took away from this game is okay, this is the best way that the defense works. And I say this not believing that the I, I'm not trying to tell you that the defense is perfect by any means because you watch the game, you see that like there's still something to be had the success rate that is uh that is or maybe not success rate but the ways in which this Lions team could drive up the field on on this defense at times was a little concerning but I think this is this is kind of a little bit of a but not break is not the right way of saying it but just you're gonna get yours I'm gonna get mine and we're gonna see who comes out the winner in this and I say that like you think about the the line of scrimmage they're not going to be the run-stopping team that swallows up every single rush, right? right? There's going to be big, successful, gashing runs from opposing teams that are good at running the football. But also, with the likes of uh, Tank Lawrence, you're also going to get big tackles for loss, which you saw quite a few of those in this game. And so there's almost the boom or bust of it, understanding that this team is going to lean into what they do best, which is being fast. Uh, with their physicality, and so they are trying to be. If you can knife in their backfield, get there fast, and get a big stop, all right, cool. There's going to be your tackle for loss, but then that also leaves lanes and instances where maybe you can get caught out, and then maybe there's going to be a big, um, a big running play from the from your opponent, and that's a little concerning. But I think there's also something to be understood with. There's not a perfect defense, um, and even if there are, it's not able to be sustained for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and and they're known for different qualities. Yeah, like the Cowboys have the fastest defense to the quarterback. They, they lead the NFL in pressures. Right. And that was their strength. But they also have to be able to adapt to the run because that's what Buffalo did to them. It was an exposure point. Hankinson, Hankinson, uh, Hankins. Hankins, Jonathan Hankins, he's going to be back, they say, for this Washington game, even though they may not need him for Washington. The point is, if if he's not there, then other guys are going to have to step up. Tank has always been there. He was always there to pressure the quarterback, always there to take on running backs. And most of the time it was through double teams because he was their best uh, pass rusher until a guy named Micah Parsons got on this team. 
Yeah, and I, I think that also Dante Fowler had some really good mm-hmm. plays within this game. He it's hooped. Not going to show out in a huge way, but definitely played well. Thankfully, the Cowboys are able to um, manage a 20-19 to 19 victory against the Lions. There's there's some, definitely some good in there, but there are some things that were shenanigans. It was a really weird, wonky game, Oh yeah. ultimately. But the biggest thing that matters um, in a way is getting the win, right? There's some other secondary things that we absolutely have to talk about, and we will over the course of this show and over the course of this week. And all over the station on right here on 105 through the fan. But that, that, that's the basis of who hooped on that Saturday night game um, as we're now on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Right here on the Get Right on 105.3 The Fan. Uh, but just last night, or yesterday, because it wasn't all last night, but yesterday in the evening, uh, we got some college football semifinals. Uh, college football coming to wrapping Woo-hoo! up the end of the season. We've got some really fun games. Uh, let's talk about those. What are our takeaways from college football playoff semis? We'll do that next on The Fan. Can the dogs defense get the stop on fourth and 11? Ewers takes a shotgun snap. He's back to pass. Pressure coming. Throws the fade. Elijah Jackson knocks the ball away. The Huskies are headed to Houston to play the Michigan Wolverines for their first national championship since 1991. It's the KNC, or no, it's not. It's the Get Right right here on 105 Through the Fan. As you can tell, I've been filling in for the KNC masterpiece last week, but I'm Reginald Atatula. CA, Chris Arnold, the three-time Hall of Famer, in with me tonight. Got you down. Uh, By the way, you, you did a great job with Mike Bassett. Thank was, you, thank it you. It was wildly entertaining. They make it easy uh, in the KNC masterpiece. It's a fun show that that runs even if they're there, if even if they're there or not. Um, and so, uh, good to be back on the Get Right. Good to have you here with us uh, coming up in about 20 minutes. Didn't we Bassett will go. want you to call it the Get Mike? That's right. People want us to call it the, the Get Mike, uh, the very, uh, various other, um, uh, you know, setups of name. But um, ultimately, this is the Get Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Your, uh, your live and local programming right here on your 105 through the fan, your home of the Cowboys and Rangers. But um, you just heard it. That was the sound of Washington winning the Sugar Bowl, staking their claim uh, in the college football championship game against the University of Texas, uh, a couple of really good college football semis. So you can always text in 877-881-1053. What were your takeaways from the college football semis or just the New England, uh, or sorry, the New Year's Eve, I don't know why I call it New England, New Year's Eve uh, college football. What what struck you, CA, when it came to these games or just New Year's Eve, New Year's uh, football? These semis were absolutely amazing. I mean, you had one going to overtime. They had one, the last one come down to the last possession, the last pass. It was absolutely amazing, and you cannot be mad at the two teams that won. Michigan was the number one team in the nation undefeated. Uh, Washington had the longest winning streak in the nation after Georgia got knocked out. So Washington has now won 21 consecutive games. They have the number one passing offense in college football. Michigan's got the top-ranked defense in college football. Alabama tried. Uh, here's, here's the deal. Locally around here, state of Texas, everybody wanted to see a Texas-Alabama rematch. Even Alabama people wanted to get that one loss off of their chest and avenge that loss to the Longhorns in in, uh, Tuscaloosa. It didn't happen. But I'm not mad at the teams that won because the way they played, man, it's going to be a great game next week on Monday night uh, when – Michigan takes on Washington for the national championship. Yeah, man. Um, got some takeaways coming in on the truckwreck.com text line from the 940. They said, finally, Bama isn't relevant, which I think is an interesting takeaway because 
the thing that I had misjudged about this this competition, I talked about going into it. Alabama has explosive plays that they can get off, yes, right? Jalen Milrow, uh, especially coming into this year, it was like well, he didn't grab on grab a hold of that job. They had you know benched him at one point, and it, he just he isn't, or at least he did not look like a incredible college football quarterback. But one thing that happened over the course of the season is Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator, and you know the, the team in general, de- re- realized that he has a few qualities and capabilities that are really good. He has an incredible deep ball, and they know that they can attack down the field, and he has some mobility. And yes, so they they structured that team and that offense around those things. And once they did that, you saw this Alabama team be really good in those regards. And I was like, look, this Michigan defense is very good, but in the Big Ten, they have not played a team that can stretch them the way that I think Alabama can. The thing that I forgot, though, is that Alabama all season has it has looked so hard for them to get things done. Mm-hmm. It has been it's just looked difficult when they're getting things done. And it probably says a lot about what Alabama is just as a program, uh, that this is a year where they go to a college football semifinal. They still win the SEC uh, championship game. And this is the down year that people are saying that they're not relevant. Right. That says a lot about that program. But no, that definitely isn't quite the same as years past, but it is, there's, it, you know, it, it looks difficult in a, a way against a, a Michigan team where they're going to stifle you running the football. If, mm-hmm. if they were not explosive, which they weren't, then they didn't have a shot. And that ultimately felt like it was what won the game for Michigan. This was the style of play that Michigan likes playing. They like mm-hmm. being able to run the football. They like it being relatively low scoring. And um, I think it fit into Michigan's wheelhouse. And they ultimately won this game being a really good, well-rounded football team. Yes, they did. And a uh, little shout-out to TCU, a backhanded shout-out from their quarterback after the game. He was giving props to the Frogs. Because people forget a year ago, TCU blew out Michigan. They blew them out in the 100%, semifinal 100%. and then got their own behinds blown out by Georgia in the championship game. But they said that motivated them. The way TCU handed them, they said, you know, you, it's rare to get these opportunities. That's what the, co- the the quarterback was saying. It's rare to get these opportunities. And this that drove them the entire season. Again, they went undefeated. They beat Ohio State for the second year in a row. Uh, they were winning games with Harbaugh sitting in the hotel room as the controversy was swirling in the courts and whatnot. Uh, as the lawsuits are flying, so to speak. But the bottom line is Michigan's there. Big Blue is there. It's an entire fan base over there that's going to be headed down to Houston. And then you got Washington. Uh, they're, headed to the, they're headed to the Big Ten, but not without claiming the Pac-12 and then saying, you know what, we're going to get us a national championship along the way. Man, Washington is a really fun team. I want to talk mm-hmm. more about them, but I do want to throw this in here where um – so Cam Good of Michigan was talking a little bit of stuff. They were on the field at uh, the Rose Bowl in the Pasadena mm-hmm. after. They're just chilling out and uh, talking their talk. Listen to this. We beat Bama fair square, and also we well, were more surprised the Florida State didn't make it. We weren't worried about Bama. Oh, they were talking about trash. They're talking about trash. But when they you win, was, they know they were scared to death because that game went into overtime. It did go into overtime. Um, and they look, can talk that noise all they want, but that game went into overtime. In other words, I think they outplayed Alabama, but Alabama didn't give up. 
No, they didn't. Uh, but a, a lot of credit is due to Sharon Moore, mm-hmm. offensive play caller when it mm-hmm. comes to uh, Michigan. Yep. They definitely worked some things out in a way and allowed that team to, you know. I like the way they used that receiver. Uh, Wilson, I think he's the one that scored the, the, the touchdown that sent it into overtime. That dude is he, he, the little dude from Hawaii. His name Wilson or is it Collins? The little dude from Hawaii who scored a touchdown and he kept he I think he botched the play earlier in the game. He said, "Please get me get get it to me again. I promise I'll make this up." And he did, and he did it twice. Boy, it was huge. And look, you gotta love it because those are the instances, those are the opportunities that uh, make legend, or at least uh, those are the redemption stories that are really fun in college football. Mm-hmm. Um, not a redemption story, uh, Washington. Showing up in a big way and like validating some folks that believed in them because this is a Washington team, or maybe um, I guess in a way making making fun of the folks that did not believe in them. Washington right. throughout the course of this season, almost like consistently. I know ESPN can catch this because they are like the big bad leader or what have you. They've had a lot of uh, instances where in games Washington was not favored and they just have continued to win games. Both teams undefeated, mind you. So we will have an undefeated mm-hmm. national champion. Washington just survived all year. A great offense, defense that's, you know, solid. But Washington just got out here and looked uncatchable when it came to, or I guess that's funny because they caught everything. But it looked like they were unstoppable when it came to the passing game. There was absolutely no pressure on Michael Penix, Uh who got a lot of shine in this game, a lot of love through the course of this one. Um, And they barely held on, even though Kalen DeBoer made a little bit of a funny decision. Listen, Penix completed 29 out of 38 for 430 yards, two touchdowns. He's going to be the – he's going to straight to the pros. You already know this. Mm -hmm. His transfer – I mean, he needs to, dog. You've been here a while, buddy. Yeah, he he made it to the the Heisman Trophy ceremony. And you mentioned survive. That's the exact way to to describe what they've done because they're the first team since they started the – they said in 1960 – one of these polls when it first started, AP or one of them, in 1960. The first team to win 10 straight games by 10 points or less. That's close games. That's called surviving. In other words, in college football, there's always some blowouts, especially if you're a dominant team. But to go undefeated and win 10 can say the games now with 10 points or less within that margin, that's called getting it done and believing in yourself. And not being scared at the moment. And believing in the things that go well, right? You mentioned Michael Penix. You also talked about how he'll be a Sunday player in mm-hmm. a way, getting a lot of draft love, mm-hmm. uh, lefty quarterback. Who, I mean, the, the the people in the know, shout out to Carter Freeman also, 105 through the friend here. He knows his college football. The people that are in the know have really liked him and the opportunity that he had in leaving Indiana, transferring to Washington, have an mm-hmm. opportunity to really show his wares. And then also the Washington receiving core, when you talk about Roma Dunze, you talk about uh, Polk, and you talk about, what's my other guy? I always forget my third guy there, uh, McMillan. Mm-hmm. Those are the three wide receivers that are all NFL cal- caliber players. And the thing that I mentioned going into this game is, in college football, having three NFL quality wide receivers is just something that doesn't happen. And how many teams in the nation do you think have three defensive backs? to be able to account for those three wide receivers. Right. There aren't very many of those. It's, it's and Texas doesn't, doesn't, I don't think they have that nearly at all. And so you saw the ways in which those guys, you threw the ball down the field and outside of like a play, uh, a really tactical pass interference, Texas didn't have anything to stop that. And so ultimately you have that level of playmaking down the field. You can make them some things go and make it really tough on the University of Texas. What you're going to be hearing about is all week long is Washington's got the number one passing attack. 
and Michigan's got the number one defense. We'll see how that holds up. But back to Texas itself, that was, first of all, you know, I went to OU. So I don't, I've always said this, I don't hate UT because I want them to be good. So when we beat them, it means something. Mm-hmm. But I was like, man, if they were to win this game, I give them credit for never giving up and being tough. But I felt bad that that running back for Washington, he got hurt. Yeah. And the clock was running out, but there's no, he couldn't even walk. They had to carry him off the field. Dylan they, Johnson, the running back? Yes. Yeah. And he was a team leader, and he was playing through all that pain. And it wasn't a an illegal tackle. You know, they, they tackled him because he's trying to get a first yard. Well, first and, down, rather. And some of that was, uh, you know, called into question because Kalen DeBoer, if he just has his team kneel the ball out, yeah. he can take off a lot of right. the time. Even the play before that, he, he ran a, a running attack. It was mm-hmm. like a run play. I was like, wait a minute. All you do is take some knees and then punt it. And then if you, you know, Texas got 13 seconds left or something. But no, he was running and his number one running back is now hurt. We don't know if he's going to be able to play next Monday. They're hopeful that he'll play and they need it because mm-hmm. Washington does not have another running back. Like, nope. obviously, there's some on the roster, but nobody like that has him. gotten any level of not like number attention. seven. No, no, no. And so that's going to be tough for them. Not that they are a prolific running attack, but you need to be able to run the football. Yeah. I mean, we've the seen that with the Cowboys. The run so to let Penix do his thing. I mean, just in general, like you cannot, mm-hmm. I don't think you can lean entirely 100% passing in any level of exactly. high football. And so they're going to need Dylan Johnson. Hopefully for them, he can he can get up there and play. Uh, I know you were talking about the Texas is back mm-hmm. situation, and I did feel good about this Texas season. I did too. I'm not going to say it like they are now a dynasty, but one of the tough things about Texas, and you'll know this being an Oklahoma fan who sees them a lot up close to personal. They had an air of filling themselves over the course of a long time. In fact, it was a long-held uh, concern about this t- uh, program. And this was a Texas team that also, if they had been in this season or in this position in a game like that where they needed to battle and scrap and stay in it, they'd have, they'd have let go of the rope. This yep. is a team that kept fighting. Now, ultimately, you have some questions for Steve Sarkeesian late in the game where you're you know, you're dropping down passes you know, short of the sticks and – you're, you know, Quinn Ewers is throwing a viable option for maybe trying to get a touchdown out the back of the end zone. And so you only get one out of four plays as a viable passable or catchable pass. And that one is defended perfectly. Mm-hmm. However, they were there at the end, which there's a lot of Texas teams over the last decade that would not have been there. Exactly. They had a lot of heart. They showed it throughout the year. Um, I said this when I was talking about it. I, I don't hate University of Texas. Mm-hmm. Again, if they had won the national championship, I'd have been happy for them because I'd have been able to say, I don't care. We still beat y'all in the Cotton Bowl. Because <laughs> that was my whole point. We at least beat y'all. I want it to mean something when we beat y'all. Texas looks really good this year. I hope they continue their success. I'm talking about next season. I hope yours comes back. And then, you know, Manning family loves Sark. That's why I'm, Arch Manning is there. So hopefully he doesn't jump into the portal himself. But that being said, I think a lot of teams, a lot of uh, talent would be gravitating towards Texas. Uh, as far as how the end of the game went for them, like I said, they showed a lot of heart. They didn't give up. As far as the end of the season, as far as the game itself looked, and they weren't as dominant as they were in the in the uh, Big 12 championship game, I always look at all these four teams played yesterday. You have a damn month off. How much consistency can you have? Mm. Imagine if the NFL teams had an entire month off. Oh, they still have some finals to take, as if some of these guys, you know, take classes. But at the same time, they didn't play for a month. I'm talking about all the teams, not the ones that won, just the ones that won. 
all four of these teams hadn't played in a month. And that's, you know, part of the issue. And another thing about these bowl games, I heard Carter Freeman talking about this. I'm going to throw this in while we can. Yep. The bowl games suck this year because I think most of them are blowouts. But at the same time, you had a bunch of guys going to the portal. Is the portal going to affect these bowl games? The difference next year and beyond is 12 teams will be in the playoffs now. You follow where I'm going with this? 12 teams. So there may be more players, as Carter was talking about, who may have some loyalty to their program saying, you know what, I think I have a chance at a national championship. I want to get a ring. And I'm not going to just jump to the portal and go to another school. So we'll see if the if it helps out some of these bowl games as because the bowl games will be hosting the, these playoffs. Yeah, and I mean, uh, this is also incumbent upon the NCAA where this has been the wild, wild west because there has oh, yeah. not been... There's no rules. Yeah, there have not been a, any level of guidance mm-hmm. from up top. And so they need to put some rules into... They need to better establish the calendar. Yes. We have signing day while yeah. the portal is still open and active it's and happening. crazy. And so there they, needs they, to be a better establishment that, of the, the portal calendar. Who yeah. actually got a chance to play in some bowl games. It's like the coach decided. Or they decided they wanted to. It's insane. There needs to be some rules. 100%. Um, currently at the AAC, your stars down to the Canadians, one, uh, two to one. Jamie Benn is your goal scorer. Wyatt Johnson with the assist oh, there. And so hopefully your stars can get back on top uh, in that one. It's still in the first period there, I believe, if I remember correctly. Uh, but coming up next on the get right, uh, pl- we got a player five. Uh, sorry, I should start by letting you know we'll go around the NFL where there's a player cut. There's somebody fine and assurance that this coach will return to his team. We'll discuss all of those next on The Fan. So get right right here on 105.3 The Fan. Reginald Datatula here with you alongside the three-time Hall of Famer, Chris Arnold. Got you down. We got Chris Strong on the ones and twos and you. Thank you for rocking with us here on The Fan. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll discuss if the NFL needs a referee reckoning. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm down for that. Obviously, uh, based in part by uh, a very weird ending, but obviously satisfactory to some regard for your Cowboys fans uh, in Cowboys-Lions on Saturday night. But uh, before we get there, we go around the NFL here on the Get Right. And I mentioned we had a cut, we had a fine, and we have a assurance of somebody remaining in their job. We start... With the cut, uh, the New York Jets and Dalvin Cook uh, mutually agreed to part ways uh-huh. today. So Dalvin Cook is officially waived uh, with one game remaining. Of course, this was mutually agreed upon in order to allow Dalvin Cook to catch on with a playoff team. That was the idea when it came to this. Now, Dalvin Cook is 28 years old, and he has a 28, a 24 rather hour waiting period. And with all that being said, there, there's uh, he hasn't had a very spectacular year, to say, uh, to say the least. When it comes down to it, hasn't scored a touchdown in his time mm-hmm. with the Jets. Is are you interested if you are a playoff team anywhere in the services of one Dalvin Cook? Here's this odd about this whole thing. Mm-hmm. When Minnesota cut him, it was strictly a money move. Yes, because he was still on fire the last season. He was still looking good. I think he had, if at least to me, it looked like he had started winding down. And I think that there was an understanding that with the money that the the results that you were getting was not up to that caliber. So, like, I, I, I felt like there was a slowdown, at least to me. Mm-hmm. But again, he, he still seemed like he was solid, just not the Dalvin Cook of old. Well, here's what's so wild about it. It was everybody thought he was going to Miami. And now that he's cut or he's uh, walking away from the Jets, however, they, they mutually agreed to separate. You would think, oh, he's going to go to my. 
Miami's set now. They don't need him. Yep. What team needs him? Oh, I'm looking up to Frisco right now. I'm not saying I want him at all. I, I wouldn't do it if I was the Cowboys. But that's what a lot of Cowboy fans are thinking. They need that. But you know what? He's what Tony Pollard basically should have been last year or what everybody was hoping for him to be. To me, I don't know if – it's hard to say because if you look just strictly by the numbers, I don't know if the Jets misused him because they kept trying to look at quarterbacks. You know what I mean? It's hard to say. You, you, you would think when Aaron Rodgers went down, they'd try to run the ball more. But no, that's not what they did. They were still trying to pass the ball a lot. I have no idea if Dalvin Cook has fallen off or if he's washed. All I know is out of all the contenders, the Cowboys would seem to be a team that would be interested, especially with uh, Rico, Ga- Rico, Rico Dowdle uh, being hurt. Oh, you went back to Rico Gathers for a second. Yeah, the now. tight end from Baylor who couldn't catch him. <laughs> he played basketball. Did you know yes, that? Yes, he did. Yes. In fact, they were <laughs> we like, got, you know, we can turn him into a football player. We got told that a million times over. Mm-hmm. He looked good in training camp. But, yeah, with if it wasn't for Rico Dowdle being hurt, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even be thinking about him at all for whatever the price. But because Rico's hurt and, you know, Pollard needs some help, you know, I'm not saying replace Pollard. I'm just saying what I've been saying all summer, they should have re-signed Zeke. I definitely should have cut him for the money. I'm talking about D- Zeke back in the, sun, in the spring, and Zeke knew that. But by the time you get to the summertime, he's still available. Nothing wrong with that one-two punch. Oh, you're talking about for next year, possibly. Yeah, maybe for next year. But right now, I'm not looking at Dalvin Cook. Okay, well, look, there's we've seen every version of the spectrum here on the TrekRec.com text line from the 682, no dude, no old men. <laughs> uh, they went through various players that were available in this draft. So, you, obviously, a lot of a lot of running backs every given year from the 214. Someone said Dallas Cowboys could use that man, Dalvin Cook. Um, they so, could probably use him, but I don't know. You know what I mean? I just I, don't know. I just I don't know what it would cost to get him. Obviously, understanding that it seems like that you know that contract is not one that you'll have to consent, contend with in the same way. But yeah, yeah. That, I, I look at it like this. Remember when the Rams beat the Cowboys that one year in the playoffs? Remember that? And they ran it down their throats. This was probably in twenty. Was that that was that still when we have? Oh my God! What's my guy's name? This um, I want to say it was twenty seventeen. The, re- the reason I'm bringing this running back up, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. He was a he was sitting on the couch. They got him off the couch in December, and he ran it down the Cowboys' throat and knocked them, knocked them out. Nobody saw that coming. It was like, wait a minute. The Cowboys lost to the Rams, a team they should have beat, by a running back who was on the couch, 877-881-1053. I know some Cowboy Tolos know who I'm talking about. That's the only scenario. But this was a big dude. He, was, he wasn't like Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook's a, a smaller dude. Oh, C.J. Anderson. Yes. Yeah. C.J. Anderson came out of nowhere to run the ball down and the And so you're thinking maybe, maybe the Cowboys and, and could again, replicate that field? he never did field. anything else for the Rams. It wasn't like the Rams brought him back the next year. They just used him for the playoffs. So I was, I, like, that would be the only scenario. But I don't even – I haven't kicked the tires on, on Dalvin Cook because I didn't think he would be available. And I, I noticed during the season he wasn't doing much. Yeah, I'm, I, I do wonder if Dalvin Cook is the player to make your run game look better uh, or if it's simply just a run-blocking situation that's not going to get better. But we can continue talking about that through the course of the week. As we continue around the NFL, the fine that was levied was not on a player nor a coach. It was team owner Panther of the, hmm. uh, the Carolina Panthers, David Tepper, who was fanned $300,000 for what you might ask. If you did not see this, you will be kind of perplexed. Apparently from his from his box at um the stadium at, at uh what is it? B- the Bank Stadium, I forget. Yeah. Uh, Bank of America Stadium. That's mm-hmm. that's it. Oh, in, um, in Charlotte. 
Yes, he 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 uh, apparently took a cup and what it was in the, its contents and threw it towards a fan. And ultimately, the NFL has fined him $300,000 for that. Quote, uh, all NFL personnel are expected to conduct themselves at all times in ways that respect our fans and favorably reflect on the team and the NFL, is what the statement said. And Tepper said that he was he's just passionate about his team and regrets his behavior. Does that feel like enough? And is there even a possible way to like punish a team owner enough for anything, really? There's not a way because they're worth billions. I mean, think about it. That's nothing. That's a wrist slap, but it, it sends the message. It's like, dude, calm down. It's not even. It's not even about the the figure. It's the fact that it's gone viral and it's embarrassed his behind. Right. Yeah. And uh, he didn't. He, that's a dude who did not or did not need any more bad PR. Yeah. The ways exactly. that it's been going of late. The, the his his passion, mm-hmm. as he called it, has really got him into bad places where he's been over eager to uh, meddle in his team's. How about firing operations? The coaches? Two years in a row in the middle of the season. Yeah, those things as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, that, that that's wild. And the tough thing about it is the NFL always talks about this in such a way as they hold their owners to the highest standard and whatever. And look, I don't think there's a way that you convince us that that's the case. But no, $300,000 also isn't really going to do no, that. But I, again, it's not even the money. It's the embarrassment. And again, they, they, they can say all they want. I look at the Colts owner and I remember... His issues a couple of years ago, and they didn't do nothing to him. Oh, don't be careful. He might send you a tweet here in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he sure will. <laughs> it's kind of crazy that this is something that we have to note, but as we continue around the NFL, today we got Sean McVay, the head coach of the Rams, making a promise that he will, in fact, coach in the 2024 season. Hear this from, I believe, the Rams have a coach's show. This is from that coach's show. You're tied for second in Rams history now for regular season wins. Nice. Chuck I Knox. did not know that. That's Congratulations. cool. Congratulations. Appreciate that. Come on. How, I, I really didn't. John Robinson ahead of you. How far you, ahead? Within striking distance next season, <laughs> if you can promise us there's going to be a Coach McVay Show 2024 edition. This That I can promise you. Oh, my God. That, that, that's good. That is so you. How far ahead? I love it. <laughs> so you. <laughs> So there you go. There's a confirmation that well, Sean McVay, who is 38 years of age at the end of this month, is like, I can promise that I'll be back. Isn't it wild that we've talked about like him and retirement at 38? Yeah, well, here's the deal. When they won the Super Bowl, Matthew Stafford and company, he and Aaron Donald were both, I don't know if I'll be back. Both him and Aaron Donald, I don't know. And remember, they were weighing his retirement as, as part burnout because he pushed so hard, but also the fact the Rams said F them picks. They didn't have not. In other words, once this team was done, he was done. You follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Why would he try to coach a team that wasn't going nowhere? And then this season started slow, and lo and behold, the Rams caught fire. Right now he's feeling good. Will he feel good next year at this time? Look, at this point, it seems like we have established the narrative as such that every given season, once we get to this time of year, we're like, all right, somebody go over there and gauge Sean McVay's pulse, see how That's he's it. feeling, right? That's you still it. feel like coaching? You still feel like working? Which, God, I would love to be in that place at 38 where it's like, I don't mm-hmm. know. Let's see if I still feel like working. We'll make that decision here Meanwhile, in a bit. Pete Carroll, 75-year-old Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll over there. Doesn't want to give it up. Don't want to give it for nothing. Pete Carroll looks good for his age. He does. Though. I would have never like thought you. he's in his seventies. I just out here Mom walking and Daddy around. Got good genes. <laughs> not letting people know how long yeah. you've been on this God's green earth. Blessed, thankful, and blessed. Yeah. Speaking of uh, people who are not in that same place, Bill Belichick has like it's just been swirling around him Charging. about the idea of losing that job. Yeah. Apparently, there's a couple of teams that are that have expressed um. interest. 
in Bill Belichick if he is to lose his job with the uh, Patriots this season. Um, I think you'll be you'll be shocked, but not shocked at all, about how Bill Belichick kind of responded to more speculation as to you know what's going to happen with him. What do you say? Apparently, when uh, kind of asked about this, um, let me see. Oh goodness, I don't I don't lost the quote. Well, basically, I could tell you he mumbled and grumbled that he's he's focused on the Jets. <laughs> he's, he's focused. That's he's what focused he always on, said to paraphrase yeah, him. Yeah. And it's the same word. I'm focused on the Jets. Yeah. We're, we're, we're focused on in his hoodie on the Jets. Uh, it's around the NFL right here on the Get Right on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, let's talk a little bit about your newest old lineman. And also, in the NFL, is there a referee reckoning on the way? We'll discuss all that next.